0: what we should probably do is let's start talking so for anyone who is not aware what exactly is a battle royale type game we know there's PUBG, player unknown uh well actually no player battleground unknown is that correct or did i say that wrong
1: it's uh player unknowns battlegrounds it's a very Uh, strange title the first time i saw it pop up on my steam list i straight up thought it was like a joke game or like something that (laughs) someone had custom did for their steam games
0: Sounds like something exactly like that. Um, then there's Fortnite. Um, of course, there are. There's Battle Royale. Right? Then there's there's uh there's also um, oh, shoot. There's a there's a whole bunch of them because it's become a very popular genre of game right now. But mainly the two, and I'm sure that we're gonna be bringing up the most is most likely probably Fortnite and PUBG for this particular conversation. But um, but yeah. Maybe we can just break down first what exactly a Battle Royale game is. Um, uh, Bernie, could you maybe talk a little bit about what, what exactly it is? Because you have so many hours in PUBG.
1: <laughs> Listen, I've only got about 800 hours. That's that's chump change compared to a bunch of people I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, so BR Games, uh, I'm not 100% sure. Like, a lot of games have claimed that they were the first... But I know that there's been like H1Z1 and uh, Arma mods that were made that were BR style. Now as far as what actually makes it a BR game, um, depending on who you ask, that's going to vary a little bit. But the basic rough outline of what makes something a Battle Royale game is you have a pretty good number of people, usually no less than like somewhere in the 60 range, and the idea is you drop into a map and you start with nothing Uh, almost like a survival game where you have to actually find loot on the map pick up that loot and then when you die i mean you're dead there's no coming back from that you're done with that game and you have to reload start over and you've lost everything so there's no saving of your gear that you pick up or anything like that at its core that kind of survival thing is really tied heavily into what makes a br game what it is
0: now actually do you really think that maybe that's i mean is that like the really like really deep down to like the the, the core loop of a battle royale game what you've described to me sounds more like some of the pieces that can make up a type uh, a battle royale game but at least from what i've seen so far and played a little bit of it seems what a battle royale game is yes you are dropped into a battleground where you have to essentially survive and if you get killed once you're done that's it you're out and all this is happening while a big huge some sort of barrier or something is slowly closing in onto you essentially um a time limit and if you don't and if you're like outside that barrier then you get hurt and damaged. So basically you have to be the last person standing. So it's it's sounding like which uh, it's sounding like was it like King of the Hill or that sort of thing. It's, it's almost like it's a mix of all these other different type of really popular different gameplay modes and all these multiplayer games that we have. I mean, w- would you agree like from what I described is kind of essentially what a battle royale game is or would you lean more towards what you were saying? Like that—that that is what a Battle Royale game Because there's so many different little pieces that seem to make up what this is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's a, it's a bit of a mixed bag, honestly. I think that it's some of what you said and then, you know, a lot of what I said too. If you look at BR games and... Because a lot of people are wondering, okay, well, why are BR games popular to begin with, right? Mm. And I think a lot of it comes down to this is kind of the next evolution of multiplayer shooter games for the most part though we're starting to see games like battle right which is basically a MOBA start to dip into it and kind of blur the lines right Um, but if you think back in the day you know when we played a shooter game like quake or something it was generally team deathmatch right like you go in you kill somebody you pick up guns they kill you you respawn etc and then after a while um, you know counter-strike hit the market and counter-strike Wasn't necessarily the first to do this, but it was one of the most popular games to do it, where you died and then you had to wait out the round. And we're seeing, you know, a lot of popular games have kind of tried to do that over the years, like Rainbow Six does that. Um, Now, you know, really coming to popularity are BR games, which is kind of taking that concept that Counter-Strike has and it's like, okay, how can we just bump up the intensity level on this multiplayer experience, right? So they do things like adding, you have to scrunch up your loot, and you have a time limit like you were talking about. That time limit does vary from BR game to BR game, but the most popular is absolutely the ever-closing like dome like you're describing.
0: So that dome part is, would you say, if that dome part, that element was not included in an actual match for inside of a Battle Royale game, it wouldn't be considered? a battle royale game is that one of at least one of the core things that you have to include in order for it to be considered a battle royale game just like a moba you have to at least have you know those those lanes or you have to at least have those towers that you're destroying or i mean there's always these, these certain few things that do you feel like that you have to have there in order to make it a battle royale game
1: yeah i think if you were to just break down the battle royale game and you say it has to have i would say you have to have you need to scrounge up your loot at least to some extent you need to have a dome that puts not necessarily a dome but something where the map gets smaller and forces confrontations and you know the dropping thing i think is a pretty important part but i think that so long as you have some sort of randomized starting points that you can have because you know in like PUBG, you decide where you want to go but the plane path is randomized right i think if you can really like I think that's the building block of what will make any VR game, honestly.
0: So going back to what you were saying about this is becoming incredibly popular and <laughs> making insane amounts of money for Epic when it comes to Fortnite and, and oh, so yeah. on. So so let's kind of talk a bit more about what are the aspects that actually make this from a, more of a design standpoint of what exactly is making this so compelling to all the players who are uh, you know, actually enjoying this enjoying these different types of games is it do you feel the social element do you feel it's the competitive aspect of it or is it just the just the way the the mode itself is structured it's just so compelling that it just allows for such easy replayability and you want to keep coming back to it which which part of it do you think is the really gets people the most excited
1: um kind of like we were talking about before i think it's a bit of a mixed bag Um, I think that the fact that each time, like every time you load up PUBG, just as an example, and you drop, even if you drop in the same spot 30 times, 40 times, 100 times, depending on a whole bunch of other people, depending on the loot you find, your experience is dramatically different. The amount of replayability in a BR is pretty fantastic, Um, and that gives it absolutely tremendous staying power. I think the other thing, like, uh, when you're playing these games, um, it really kind of gets your heart thumping. For me, it's sort of, you know, I'm not an adrenaline junkie, but in a gaming sense, I kind of am. And it's, like, people have heart monitors sometimes, like, that they'll put on, like, if they're in the hospital or whatever. And there's been times where they'll be playing a game like Fortnite or PUBG, and you get into, like, a top five situation. And you'll see, like, the heart rate spike pretty dramatically like it's it's a really exhilarating experience
0: so that exhilarating experience what part do you think that's coming from it, i mean uh, obviously because you have all these different like constraints and pressures that are that are on you like you were talking about before the dome slowly closing in on you the fact that if you die once you're dead f- for the entire match and you know the fact that you have to quickly you know, really just survive and you don't know what's going to come at you. All these different things come at you. I can see how that intensity could be very exciting. You know, that, that rush of adrenaline, that kind of thing. Do you think, like you were saying, those different collection of, uh, of mechanics is, is what excites the players so much?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, when you when you're playing these games, you're constantly decision-making, like every moment, every step of the way and you're looking at a situation, like you come up to a tree, right? And you're like, okay, is that tree good cover? Do I have cover from these angles? What happens if somebody comes up behind me? And the entire time, what's also going through your head is you're like, well, you know, I just picked up this really sweet rifle and it's totally kitted and I don't wanna lose it. And so, you know, you have, there's a lot to lose in a BR game, depending on where you're at in it. You know, in the early game, if you die, whatever, it's not that big a deal. You just load back up. But especially once you get to like the mid and the end game, you can really get the adrenaline pumping because you do have a lot to lose. Like it's you versus these other like handful of people and it's the last person standing. Um, If you die, you're out, you lose. But if you win, I mean, it's just an amazing feeling. Like uh, yesterday, we, my core group of friends and I, we were playing for probably about eight hours and we, we racked up about four wins in PUBG and every single time, like my heart was racing in, and every single experience was completely different.
0: Sorry. Cough. <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> oh, it's so hot in here. Okay. Um, so, so it's going with what you were talking about with your friends and how you guys, you guys, it's, it sounds like you guys didn't actually get a lot of wins. So, the winning part how for people who aren't incredibly familiar with battle royale games how exactly do you win is it like a death match where everyone just kind of runs in there and you just shoot 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 respawn shoot 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 and just it ends like that or how do how you actually win uh, a battle royale game sure so
1: um it's worth noting that especially br games hitting the market now like reign of elysium um and fear of the wolves have slightly different win conditions um, than like pubg and fortnite but in the traditional sense um, again referencing like pubg or fortnite the way you win is by being the last person or the last team standing Um, in both those instances you can play with up to three other people so groups of four or you can play solos or duos and uh, the way basically once the last opponent is dead you win the game Now, Reign of Elysium and uh, Fear the Wolves have additional win conditions where once you get to, like, the very, very end, you can either kill everybody or there's a helicopter you can get on. But the helicopter has, uh, in Reign of Elysium, I think it's four seats right now, and if you get on that helicopter then you escape and you win along with anyone else that's on that helicopter that's a fairly new concept from what i've seen anyways it's only been about the last eight months i've really seen that come up
0: so just like how a lot of the other type of really popular genres that popped up how we had like endless runners and how we have the games that um what they call the auto battler type games and you know, with each of these new type of genres that are created uh, eventually, kind of like you were just giving the example of all these other games, they'll build on that core mechanic and kind of go their own direction with it, and it starts to eventually grow into some other type of new genre of game. But, so, but before we start diving into kind of where things are starting to diverge a little bit, kind of like with Battle Right and the, how, how they're taking on more of a MOBA type aspect, let's kind of walk through each different stage of a, of a Battle Royale game from a design perspective, meaning so with each Battle Royale game in the opening, you had just said in one of those other newer games, they're kind of approaching it in a different way. But once again, using the example of PUBG or Fortnite, from a more traditional sense, when you're designing a Battle Royale game, it, what what should be the best way to kind of open it up? Is it just the characters thrown into the world or how does it how does it start working in the beginning?
1: You know, I think it depends a little bit on the kind of BR game that you want to make. Um, because it's really important to, to note that even though PUBG and, and Fortnite, for example, are Battle Royale games, I struggle to think of ways they could be more different. Um, or couldn't struggle to think of how they couldn't be more different, I think is what I'm trying to say. Uh, because like if you look at the way the guns interact in PUBG, and you look at the way the guns interact in Fortnite, like they're night and day different. Completely different experiences from start to finish. The pacing completely different um pub plays more like a thriller game you know you drop it's kind of a methodical pace and you know that every single time you fire off your gun there could be people very near you that suddenly go okay i know there's a shooter over here i'm gonna go sneak up on them so the experience you're trying to develop i think the first question you have to ask is all right what kind of experience am i trying to deliver on do i want something mm-hmm. that's slower more tactical uh, thriller-esque like PUBG? Do I want something that's quicker, more arcade-y um, like Fortnite? Or do I want something that's a little in between, um, kind of like Call of Duty Blackout is doing? So I think once you establish that, then you can have a better grasp of, okay, this is the direction we want to go. I think that for me personally, the drop-in, you know, where you're in a helicopter, or a plane, whatever it might be, and you have a map and there's a path and you can only reach certain areas from that path and you just have to drop in and try to get the weapons as quickly as you can. To me, that's a very core experience of what develops that BRX-like uh, session.
0: Hmm. So I, I feel like you brought up a really fantastic point that, yeah, even before we start maybe digging into just the beginning parts, the yeah, maybe it is best to really think about who Your audience is because uh, um, if when I think of Fortnite and I think of PUBG, and mm-hmm. if you watch a lot of there's a lot of YouTube videos comparing the two like a lot, and uh, to me, it feels like um, like Fortnite is very cartoony, like casual, very easy to get into, very almost to the extent if you want to put it in the category like very fam- family friendly type of setup, while it's very PUBG is. Yeah, very approachable. While PUBG is a bit more serious, like you said, a bit more, you know, a bit more aggressive and like mm-hmm. it's more gritty. Like you, if you're if you're going into this, you have to really take it seriously, if you will, that that kind of thing. Instead <laughs> of going into it with Fortnite, where it's like you know a, you're a big cartoon character with like a, a cartoony hammer and just going in there shooting things, building stuff. So, yeah, I, I feel like maybe you really do need to figure out who your audience is first and maybe may if you want to target a much younger audience Fortnite. i mean i was talking to a friend and she was saying her cousin who was like in school and like in, he's in i think he's eight years old and everyone's doing Fortnite dances like the, the little funny dances <laughs> um <laughs> uh you know during recess and stuff so Fortnite is very approachable. It's not very military-looking. Like it's very cartoony. They have little, like the latest update. They have you can carry a little dog in your yep. backpack, or, or so. It's just, I think you are absolutely right that even before you say, oh man, this whole battle royale thing, it's you know it's so popular. I got to jump in on this and make some money. Like right now, you really should probably think, okay, who, who am I catering? Who's my audience here? Do I want the hardcore or do I want the casual? Yeah. I mean, would you agree with that?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean. I don't know if hardcore and casual is necessarily the right way to to look at it. But I think that when, and this kind of goes for any game, like you really need to think about like, okay, who am I targeting? Just like you're saying, Um, you know, Fortnite, like if I was an investor, I would absolutely invest in Fortnite before PUBG. Worth noting, I don't, I'm not good at Fortnite. I don't really like it that much. Um, Hmm. I way prefer PUBG, but in terms of marketing, in terms of approachability, in terms of how sellable the game looks, how it feels. I think Fortnite is literally years ahead of where PUBG will ever be. Um, But that said, you know, PUBG does what it does and it does it quite well. Um, It goes for that more, you know, that more mature audience, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's funny though, like in the 850 or so hours I've been playing PUBG, the other thing I've noticed about it is that it's a very good um, experience maker, and what I mean by that is you can have open microphones so you can communicate with other people. And I have had just some absolutely ludicrous experiences with people um, that really remind me a lot about when I was first getting into gaming, you know, uh, playing Half-Life and those mods. And just like, you get a weird sense of community and a weird social aspect in PUBG that maybe you get it in Fortnite and some of these other shooter games or some of these other BR games, sorry, but I haven't seen it nearly as prominently. Um, and it's it's really fascinating to me how that's happened and it continues to evolve.
0: Do they supply you a lot of tools in PUBG to help encourage the social aspect and the communication uh. part of everything?
1: Not really. Basically, you have the ability to use your microphone and do all talk or team chat. Mm. And what you'll see is, like, uh, just yesterday, there is a guy, I, I downed him. Um, and when you're, when you're playing as a squad, if you get to zero hit points, you're downed but not out. You begin bleeding. You can't do anything except, like, crawl around really slowly and your teammates can pick you up. Now, as an enemy, like, an enemy can take you out while you're in that down state... Um, but what I did is I ran up to him and uh, me and this guy just had a random conversation. He was like, hey, how you doing today? I'm like, oh, you know, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Is your, uh, is your team close by? And he's like, oh, I'm not going to tell you that, but, you know, I'm glad you're having fun. And then my <laughs> team killed his team. He's like, oh, well, that's you know, a bummer. But hey, good luck, man. Hope you get that chicken. And, uh, you know, just like little moments like that um, have definitely improved the longevity of the game for me.
0: So it's sounding like, PUBG has been able to foster a very good community where it's not very toxic where lots of other games. Uh, or would you not agree with that?
1: No, PUBG like just like any community, PUBG definitely has pockets of really good people. Um, but it is absolutely one of the more toxic games I've played too. Mm-hmm. Um When the the first thing I do and I load into the game is I turn off all chat and I turn off sounds because you have people in open mics dropping like n-bombs and stuff like that Um, and you get a lot of people that will b m in a bad manner I mean it's not uncommon for people just to be royal you know dicks about stuff (laughs) in PUBG
0: Do you think that's more because of the audience that it's trying to cater to? What I mean is the more mature audience or uh, you don't hear at least you don't hear about it as much with Fortnite. i mean i'm sure it's there but because i would imagine because epic and the audience they're targeting or at least trying to target it's a bit it's a bit more younger that they try and possibly i could be wrong about this but it seems like they try and do a better job of keeping it clean so that way more people can jump on board and they can kind of their reach can be further do, would you think that's oh mm. why that's maybe a bit cleaner or you don't know no. You know i mean i don't
1: i don't know for certain i definitely think that the target audience has something to do with it i mean you get a lot of these people you know they come home from work or they had a really stressful day and some people just don't deal with that very well and they take it out anonymously over the internet that's not <laughs> new right and PUBG does enable people to kind of do things like that and they're getting better about this now but for a really long time um cheaters and generally toxic people could kind of run rampant unopposed um, i watch a ton of twitch streams um, i typically watch shroud if you've ever watched a pubg stream you've probably seen shroud's name come up or heard it come up and uh, there were a couple of occasions where like he would run into a super obvious hacker And sometimes that hacker would get banned right away, sometimes that hacker would go on and continue hacking for days, weeks, months before any action was taken. And when you're someone who is, when you're a person that has a lot of negativity and you want to distribute that negativity, exactly what you want is a company that says, hey, we're not going to punish you for this negativity, at least not right now. And I mean, that's a guy, you know, Shroud has, you know, 30, between 30 and 60,000 views. And if you can have someone cheating on his stream with that many Mm -hmm. people as witness and action isn't taken immediately, I mean, you're kind of thinking that you have free reign, right? It is better now. I do want to say that they are getting better about it now, but still a little rough.
0: So we've talked a little bit about it's good to probably, when you're deciding to make a Battle Royale game, to think about who is my audience. If you decide to go more of a just more of like a, the cartoony and kind of more approachable route of Fortnite or more the other route where it's a bit more serious, a bit more competitive, a bit more, maybe a little bit more aggressive when it comes, if you maybe go the route of PUBG, each having their own types of people. And clearly there is more than enough of each of these different types of gamers because both games are doing quite well, um, both in the numbers wise and just well, money wise. Um, so going back, Back to the first part when I had asked you how if you're when you're designing a battle royale game like usually the first thing you want to do is the drop in uh, where you're being dropped into the the map to get ready for the match after that has been completed where people are actually now they're in the map the game has started what is usually the next step I know this can depend on the type of game uh, but is there usually you know a, a pattern you've seen like, after everyone's gone on the map in a, in a Battle Royale game, what usually happens next?
1: Uh, yeah, like, pretty much the minute you land, as soon as your feet hit the ground, you are looking for a gun to kill another player. <laughs> and, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the core thing, right? Because BR games kind of thrive on this competitive survival mentality. So, if you see people dropping around you, you want to get a gun, and you want to take them out as quickly as possible. So, I would say, after the drop, that's really the next thing the next emotion to really hit on is okay i'm scrambling to survive what can i find what can i make do with
0: so speaking of emotions we've talked about a lot of different types of ways that people these type of games can get people very excited and i'm sure uh, allowing them to feel a lot of very different kinds of emotions (laughs) when (laughs) When designing a battle royale game, I mean intensity seems to be one of the emotions that you want to encourage to get them excited to keep them pushing forward. So, how do you build the world or build what they're interacting with to to get those to kind of really encourage those type of emotions? You had talked about you know finding a gun and immediately finding someone is there a way you can design the maps or you should design these maps so that you know it it encourages people to be to feel really intense or, or to feel possibly a little stressed or that or feel a certain level of pressure how would you how you approach that
1: yeah absolutely um i think that the way you would go about it is as far as i've observed the way games like PUBG do it is you have like if you look at a hut a hut is probably going to have some kind of loot inside but you know a bush out in the middle of nowhere isn't so when you're designing your maps you'd want to design them with confrontations in mind you would look at areas and like if you look at the PUBG map uh, there's three of them now but if you're to look at that you know any of those maps you'll see that there's heavily uh, Like there's lots of urban areas, right? There's lots of buildings and little pockets around, but there's never too many because what you want to do is you want to give players an area they can drop, get their loot, but then they need to kind of move on at some point. So you're always forcing that confrontation. And that's part of where the dome is really going to help you as well because it's going to force people into a situation where they're going to have to face each other. Otherwise, people would just camp in corners and not come out for hours, right? Um, Mm. So I definitely think when you're designing your map, the key word you probably want there is confrontation. How can you make a very... How can you allow confrontation to evolve and occur in an organic way, right? And that's going to be down to building placement. It's going to be down to um, just obstacles that people can hide behind, things like that. That's a very, very basic sense of it. Like, that's way oversimplified. Um, Mm. But there's a lot of psychology when you look into map design. And I definitely think that BR games especially um, demand a lot from map designers.
0: So when you're building a map to encourage these, you know, the encounters to happen, do you want, because what I've seen a lot with the, at least the PUBG maps is they're very large, they're very open, and there's lots of area. Um, Of course, things are still going to start shrinking and shrinking, and you're going to, like you said, eventually have to encounter someone. But is there a reasoning to why they give you so much open space? Is it because of the player count? Or is it because that this is also purposely designed this way and the environment is encouraging people to maybe position themselves to get ready for something or, you know, can you maybe talk a bit about why the map sizes are the size they are?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that one of the things you touched on is like, when you're talking about openness, if you look at a lot of the PUBG maps, there's a lot of like open fields and things like that. Um, And part of the reason for that is because while fighting around and inside buildings is its whole, it, like that's its own level of the game, right? Um, it would be an extremely frustrating experience if all you did is fight in an urban environment, um, because it's there's so many places to hide. There's so many uh, ways someone can just get a jump on you. Like so many times when we'll play, um, especially on some of the older, more methodical maps, um, we'll run into what we call possums and there's someone, they go into a building, they close all the doors, they make it look like it's unhit, um, and they just literally camp in a corner for sometimes the whole game, and sometimes those games can go on for 30 or 40 minutes, and they just make no noise, and they wait for someone to come around the corner in that building, and then they blast them. That can be really, I mean, that's great for the possum, but it's a really frustrating experience if that's what you continually run into. So part of why PUBG has their maps set up the way they do is to encourage people not to camp. Um, Battle Royale games seem as though they really don't like it when people just camp the whole game so a lot of the design elements in the map are set up in such a way to kind of discourage that overall now there's a big asterisk next to that obviously camping is a part of any game and people still do it but um, you are kind of managed in the extent that you can go through with camping in a VR game, typically. And that's going to come down to the map design and the area restriction or the dome, if
0: that makes sense. So how do you make it so that the player doesn't feel too overwhelmed? Let's just say uh, there's a lot going on. It's very chaotic. There's there's, maybe not enough time to breathe, if you will. Um, Is there... Does the map's design also help kind of relieve that stress as well because if you're constantly always having to run away from someone or constantly having to you know every time you find somewhere to hide someone jumps out and shoots you or that sort of thing is is are there points in the game where you have a chance to breathe and kind of like you know collect your thoughts or is it purposely designed in such a way where you never have that downtime and you're always meant to keep going and going so that actually
1: varies from map to map that's a great Question. Actually, um, that varies a bit map to map, especially in PUBG's case. Um, I'm going to talk about PUBG a lot, just as a cliff note, because that's the game I play the most. I have played other BR games, and I watch a lot of BR games. Like I watch a crap ton of them, but PUBG is the one that's eas- most easily relatable for me. Um, so, if you look at a, a map, they their first map they released was called Erangel. um It's a very very large map, and the pacing is generally slower. It's If you're feeling overwhelmed, it's pretty easy on Erangal to kind of drop at a very secluded spot that maybe isn't as densely populated in terms of loot, but you're less likely to be immediately assaulted. Um, Mm. However, their map, Sanok, is actually much, much smaller, and that map has confrontation after confrontation. Great example, we're playing last night. We assault a team on a hill. We lose a guy, and in the middle of trying to loot those guys, we just downed. Another team attacks us. Um, we kind of take care of them, and then another team comes after us. In that situation, there was no moment for us to catch our breath. There was no moment for us to breathe at all, and we, we ended up losing. Um, as far as like how the game can manage that, I think map size has a lot to do with it and how you set up your uh, loot hubs, right? Um, If you have more areas or just, like, one-off shacks that can have loot, that gives people that are not as able or willing to deal with that stress and that kind of overwhelming sense of everything's going on a place where they can kind of drop, collect themselves, and go, okay, now I'm ready to move on. Um, But I think that that's actually a really big design challenge, thinking about it. Uh, It's pretty difficult overall.
0: So... Do you feel that's an important problem that needs to be solved? Or is it, I mean, should there always be that room to breathe? Or should that just be based on, like you were saying, the different types of map? If you choose to go to this map, then you have to go in with this expectation or, or maybe it just doesn't matter at all. This is just something that the designer should be thinking about all the time to make sure the player is just not in general getting overwhelmed.
1: Um, You know I think BR games are in in most in most areas where I do design the first thing I try to do is like okay how can I take some of the stress off the player Um, I think BR games are kind of interesting because I actually look at ways like okay how can we add keep in mind I haven't designed a BR game like at a professional company or anything just little stuff on the side Um, but I was thinking, all right, how can we add maybe a little bit more stress here to uh, ramp up that intensity? Because the stress is definitely an important part of that intensity, and I think feeling a little overwhelmed, while that's intimidating, I think that's part of the experience. Um, You got to be careful because if you dial it too far back and you give players too many opportunities to always take a breath, the stakes get a little bit lower and you start to lose that intensity. Um, A great example is if we're playing and and let's say we're playing squads and I'm super into it. I'm like like a pitcher, right? I come in, I've thrown a few pitches, I'm warm, put me in coach, I'm ready. Um, But we go into a squad situation, I die really early and my team goes on to play for 30 minutes and I'm just spectating. Okay, great, that game's over. But now I've had 30 minutes to kind of get cold. So when I go into that next game, I don't perform as well, typically. And I think that you see that, especially if you watch streamers, they tend to try to drop hot because when they run into situations where it's just long stretches of nothing happening, it kind of lessens the experience. Like you kind of get bored and you're like, eh, you know, that you really lose that sense of intensity that you're trying to build for the
0: player. Yeah, I mean, if there if there's just so much time, like you were saying, where you're you're not doing anything and you do get bored, then when you finally do have an encounter and you die immediately, then the whole experience is shot and you probably won't want to play again.
1: Oh yeah, we've lost. I like mean, it, we've had yeah. entire squads. Like we'll be together, we'll be playing that exact scenario happens, and then people are like you know what? I'm
0: gonna go play something else because I just can't deal with this right now. Just because yeah, right.
1: it burns you out.
0: Yeah, so it it sounds like from what you've been saying, there really needs to you need to find a balance between the two. Um, so, let's talk a bit about the actual encounters themselves. They, it, uh, of course, there's when you see someone, they see you. You just start. You you want to kill them. You shoot, shoot, and so you can get their loot and go from there. But how are these encounters, or how do you feel these encounters? um should best be designed when it comes when you actually have them should it just be where you can just mindlessly just like just point a gun at their face and just keep firing or should you have like specific points or that encourage you to like maybe do a headshot or you know actually put a bit more thought into the the battle system itself i mean how how important do you feel like the actual encounter is when it comes to a battle royale game
1: i think it's massively po- uh, important i think that it might be it's at least top like three most important things as far as I'm concerned. Um, The first thing you'll notice when like if you play a lot of these games um, and just thinking sticking for right now to the fact that most of these games are shooters right Um, the first thing people comment on when they try a new BR game is how do the guns feel how do they interact Um, when you're looking at people talking about Fortnite Call of Duty uh, PUBG, one of the. They always go, well, you know, the guns are like lasers in this game. There's not a lot of kick over here. Whereas in this game, there is a lot of kick. It will completely dictate encounters for you, how your weapons respond for the player. Um, and that's like in Rome Royale, is actually a pretty good example where they fiddled with that a lot. I would actually argue they fiddled with it way too much. But they had, when they first launched, they had no hit scan weapons. Hit scan weapon, uh, if you're unfamiliar, basically means you point, you click, and that's where it goes. There's no bullet travel time. It's just it hits. And they were like, "We do not want hit scan weapons. It's just a core thing that we don't agree with." And you're like, "Okay, great." So they went for a while where that was what people were, you know, accustomed to, no hit scan. And then in a patch, they went ahead and they added hit scan weapons, and it suddenly the game just felt way different. Um, now I think my memory is a little bit fuzzy, so I'm sure someone will correct us on this in the comments. They might have released with like one-hit scan weapon. Now that I'm thinking back on it, but I do remember there was a lot of controversy over do they have hit scan weapons, should they not have hit scan weapons, and that dominated a good portion of like the Reddit discussions that I was viewing. So I definitely think the battle system, like once you decide the kind of game you want, like what style of B.R. game you want almost immediately the next thing you should start thinking about is like, okay, how should the encounters feel? How should the guns react to, you know, these situations? Should they mimic real life kind of like PUBG does? Should they be a little bit more arcadey kind of like Fortnite is or something else entirely? You know, as you mentioned earlier, you know, Battle Rite is kind of a MOBA stepping into the BR genre, which I think is great. I mean, that is fantastic. I really want to see more genre mixing like that. Um, and that's a case where you would then think, okay, how do my skills, you know, interact with this? Are all of my abilities skill shots, or is there anything that's hit scan? Like you're asking a lot of the same questions, but you're asking it in kind of a different space.
0: And I think that's important, too, because the more you experiment with this, I mean, it can go either go two ways. It can go really bad, like you were explaining a little earlier, or it could go really well. And you find this entirely new way for the player to interact with all these different types of systems, which I feel like is probably the most important aspect of all this. Would, would you agree?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's when you're looking at all these different games, you want to feel confident enough to experiment a little bit, right? Like it's good that a lot of these companies experiment with different things. I would say that if you wanna look at a BR game, there's two BR games that have handled themselves very poorly in a multitude of ways, in my opinion. Um, One is Rome Royale, which just kills me because I loved that game. Um, They had a problem where they were so quick so iterative during the beta process that the game very quickly like if you played the game Saturday night by Monday night, it could feel like an entirely different game. Which mm. can be good if you're at the right stage for it, but it very quickly alienated people as they started to kind of get into it and go, Okay, this is the class I like, this is the gun I like and then they pull the rug out from under you and like, no more classes And that's like you want to be iterative. But especially once your game starts to get into the hands of players, you have to be super careful just how deep down that rabbit hole you go. Um, And then another game that I think had a lot of problems is Islands of Nine. Um, Their beta process was super limited. They would only let you play it for like a weekend at a time and then they would take it offline for months at a time. And that was really damaging, if you think about it, because there's so many games hitting the market right now, right? I mean, I think there was something like 50 or 100 new games on Steam every day, which is great in the sense that, hey, you know, there's always new things to play. Games are more accessible than ever. But it means if you have a hit and you get a person's attention, you have to think to yourself, okay, I finally have these players, now how do I retain them? And it turns out, the way to retain those players is not to say, okay, you can't have this toy for a month or two at a time. People will forget about your game. Like, don't do that.
0: (laughs) I think another really important aspect, too, is going back to the example of what you were saying about they were just iterating too much too quickly, is it's just so so ridiculous every time I I say this, but listen to your community. when they're playing your game if they don't like these changes yes you are the designer yes you are the creator of the game and it is your vision but these are the people who are actually going to be playing the game i mean if they if you get enough people not liking a particular feature or something don't i mean just you don't have to go back completely on what you were deciding but just talk with them and, and see if you guys can come to something that you all agree on because if you don't they're going to just leave and you're you're not going to have any players playing your game or you're you just might have a lot of people who are just ne- never enjoying the experience and slowly just leaving so i mean you really need to just listen to them and and it's funny a lot more of these game companies are really starting to understand the importance of community and it's and when they really truly listen the games get better and better and the communities get stronger and larger and you get more people playing consistently at the same time so i I really feel like community is such a hugely important thing and uh, especially if you're in the early stage before you do your official you know, public launch that just take full advantage of that. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's why Infinity War, with all their Call of Duties and stuff, they always do those multiplayer betas ahead of time because they know that feedback is really, really important. I mean, would you say that's why they're always doing it before they officially release the games?
1: Uh, Just so you know, um, there was Mm -hmm. a couple parts in there where I got some Slack messages and I thought I had Slack off. So it was like a boop, boop. Boop, boop, a couple oh. of times. So I, I apologize. You might need to work around that. Um, no problem. Getting back to your to your question. I think that... So yes, I agree with you. Community is super important. Uh, the company I work for, are one of our core pillars is the community. It's one of the things that helps us kind of stand out in the sea of games is how we handle our community and how we communicate with them. Um, that said, as a designer, you're going to very frequently be in a situation where you kind of have a uh, what i call a crisis of faith (laughs) and i mean by that is you're going to put something out there and people are going to shit all over it it will happen many times in your life as a designer and it's very easy in those moments to feel very vulnerable and go okay well i have to change all these things people are talking about and a lot of times what you want to do is you want to give yourself time to like sit back and go okay this is what people are saying how do i translate that into what they actually mean you know it's diagnosing what's the actual problem versus what's just the symptom you know what i mean and uh i would say that your best friend in that case is just exercise some patience and if you have data my god lean on data people (laughs) who because whenever you're making a decision like if players say hey we feel like this gun overperforms, it's too strong. And let's say your QA team, or you know, let's say you're an indie dev, maybe you don't have a QA team, it's just you, and you're going through and you're like, man, I don't know, these numbers look really good, You know, in the data files, it's performing kind of the way I want. That's an area where you can use data to really help you examine what's going on there. So if people are saying, hey, this gun's too good, you can start looking at like, okay, How often does this gun come up in gunfights? Is the gun too good? Or is there another system that's failing you there? Is armor coming into play? Are you spawning that gun at a rate that's disproportionate to how much armor is spawning in the game? Are you doing your calculations with armor in mind? Like, There's a whole sea of things there that you can examine and help lend... You know a lot of credibility not just to your own feelings not just to your own intuition but will also help you look at what players are saying and get much more valuable much more honest feedback from them because let's be honest like there's always going to be people they're just like hey i hate this thing and that's it and unfortunately that feedback uh is not super helpful
0: <laughs> <laughs> no no uh, but i hundred percent agree with you on using data and the importance of data and just there was that short period of time during the whole big facebook gaming thing where zynga kind of made it made data seem like a very dirty thing because they were just coming off as this cold-hearted company just going off of the data and nothing else and it was not about fun it was about how can we make the most money so i think because of that it kind of the idea of people using data to actually drive the design to some extent kind of got a you know not because of all that stuff but i think it's still really important to use it it's there there's a reason why there are so many analytical companies and all these different tools i mean unity by itself if you use that as your development tool they offer a suite of tools for you to use to track stuff and get information and just test stuff so definitely take advantage of all of that but yeah. i would also say more importantly too that if you like you said if you are a designer and you're designing something like a go back to the designing a gun and you thought it felt really good it turned out really good the way you designed it you put it out in the wild gamers are like saying this is the stupidest thing ever this is awful you know you're, you're how could you you just you don't know what you're doing i could design it better i think <laughs> at that point what you should do is if you as the designer feel very confident and strong that this that the tweak or change you made is important to the game to stick by that but to also be transparent with your community into why you made these decisions because i feel like if you don't communicate that with them they're just going to get more and more angry and just feel like that you don't You don't care about the community at all some may leave some may just become start become very toxic to the to the other people in the community and i feel like with blizzard and overwatch and like hearthstone and whole other a few other companies as well they do these developer updates and whenever they do a major patch or some major you know mechanic change they always try their best to explain their reasonings to why they made the changes they did. They still may get a lot of angry people, (laughs) but it it tends to calm things down a lot more if you just didn't say anything at all. Um, So yeah. yeah. And like, the thing
1: is, use data, not just to make your decisions, but also to kind of help you make educated decisions, if that makes sense. Like, Because you can make a decision and it's based completely off intuition. But if you use that that same decision making, you know, you take your intuition and you mix it with data. Now you're confirming your intuition. You can go, okay, well, now I'm making an educated decision here instead of just kind of some guesswork or just going by feeling. Um, You're gonna feel better about it, and when you present that to your community, it's gonna feel better about it. And um, this isn't necessarily br specific, but when you're talking with your community, one of the biggest mistakes I see. And you especially see this with big companies, which makes sense. Um, but be real, man. Like, you're talking to other people. Like, there's other people on the other side of that screen. You don't need to go complete full PR corporate mode. Um, some of the best posts I've ever had are when I've just come out and been like, "Yeah, hey, you know, I uh, I messed up. Sorry about that. Um, this was kind of my, my train of thinking on that. Um, this is kind of the information I used. I can see where... Maybe that didn't jive with, you know, what you guys were seeing. We can get that fixed. And just speaking more as a person and less as a robot is going to help people connect with you. It's going to help them empathize with you. And what you absolutely want is for your community (laughs) to see you as a person. Because the minute they think that you're just some corporate robot, they're going to lose all respect
0: for you. Yeah, and when they lose respect for you, they may leave, they may just start, <laughs> just become a troll, and they may, it may it won't turn out well. So yeah, absolutely, just, they are people. Yeah. <laughs> so treat them like they are. Um. So with all that said, going back to designing the battles themselves, from what you have said earlier, it truly does sound like, the design of the battle is just as important as the design of the maps themselves. Like just, it's a it's a huge part of what makes a battle royale game a battle royale game. And from the tweaking of the weapons to how you actually, the, the mechanics you can use within the battle, like example being Fortnite, where they have the mechanic that you can build stuff and you know, during the match. Uh, so yeah, it, it feels like there's a lot of different parts there. So. Maybe we can kind of break down a little bit of those different battle parts. Um, so going with PUBG, when you actually have the encounter itself outside of shooting, what other types of things can you do to build a strategy when it comes to actually dealing with the encounter? Sure. Uh, as a, You mean from a player's perspective? Yeah. I mean, can you jump, roll, you know, hide sure, behind sure. trees, you know, that kind of thing.
1: So um, all BR games obviously are a little different, um, like you called out. Fortnite is an extremely mobile game, Uh, mobile in the sense that you can move very quickly with very little loss to your, like it doesn't impact your combat ability that much, right? Whereas in PUBG, if I literally jump through a field, I'm probably not gonna hit the guy I'm aiming at, and that's just because of the way the battle's set up, right? So in PUBG, in addition to how the weapons handle other factors, like positioning is huge. Um, You know, having the high ground on someone you know, cue the uh, the Star Wars meme. Having the high ground <laughs> on someone is is huge. You know, if I'm in a building and I'm looking down on someone that's in the middle of a field, um, you know, who's got the advantage? Me in the building, not the person that's out in the middle of the field, right? And so thinking ahead of like, okay, this is where the, the dome is going to be. This is the weapon I have. Um, this is where I think people are going to come in from is going to be a huge part of that. Most of the time when my squad loses an engagement, it's because our positioning was questionable at best, and that can sometimes happen even to the most experienced players, you know, like uh, the dome closes in a way you don't expect it to, you just didn't move when you thought you should, you kind of lost track of things, Um, so it's pretty easy to get sidetracked in that regard, but I would say positioning matters. Uh, quite a lot for the battle system, and then depending on the kind of system you're setting up, uh, movement in PUBG, for example, leaning is a very important aspect of gunplay. Um, you can lean around corners a bit, so you're exposing less of your body. That's super important. You can't do that in Fortnite, but Fortnite kind of trades there by saying, okay, you can't lean, and you, but you can move a lot faster. You can jump. You can build. So there's other dynamics there that help keep you safe uh, when you're approaching a combat situation.
0: Do vehicles play, or can they play, a big part in these type of games?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't think Fortnite has actual vehicles, but Arena uh, of Elysium, uh, PUBG, uh, Call of Duty Black Ops, all of those uh, vehicles play can play a very large part. Um, in Call of Duty, when I was playing the beta... Uh, we got into a vehicle a couple of times, let's say every two games, like two out of ten games, so not as impactful. But in PUBG, I don't think there's a game I play, except on Sanok. Like if I play an Erangal or Miramar, which are their two larger maps, I don't think there's a game uh, I play on those where I don't get into a vehicle. And you can have some crazy moments in vehicles. Uh, just last night, we were driving along in our little Jeep, Things were going great, and a dude who was prone with a machine gun, shot out two of our tires, our car spun wildly, and then suddenly we found ourselves in a situation without a lot of cover. We had to use the car as cover, but then that introduced a new dynamic because if the guy with the machine gun blew up the car, it would kill us if we were too close. So (laughs) right there, the car was both a boon and a complete crapshoot. So yeah, vehicles are hugely important depending on the BR game you're making.
0: So, it also seems like with the when you're designing the battle encounter, variety is a huge thing that you should be focusing on. You should maybe make it, there's lots of different ways you can deal with these encounters. Would you say the more options you give to the player, the better? So, their experience, as you've kind of given a few examples, feels unique and fresh every time? I think that varies a little bit, and you can
1: see that different companies have different takes on that. Um, Epic, the people that make Fortnite, their motto is they want to really bury you with different weapon types. Um, like when you go into a room, you can see a whole bunch of different like kinds of shotguns, ARs, etc. PUBG dials that back a bit, and there's not nearly the level. Like there's not nearly as many weapons to choose from. I think variety is super important, um, but how deep down that rabbit hole you go kind of depends on the experience you're trying to build. Um, I will say that the more variety you have in those battle experiences, and it's important when I'm talking about in this context, I'm talking about variety in a vehicle can spawn at this location, but will it if it does, what kind of vehicle in addition to a gun can spawn in this area if it does, what kind of weapon is it? The more factors you have like that of variation, the more dynamic the game feels and the better replayability you have. And that's a hugely important thing. Games like Counter-Strike have, you know, a really deep map pool. But you look at most BR games, they're kind of like MOBAs. They generally have a single map. Now, there's... Definitely exceptions to that. PUBG has three with a fourth one on the way, and other BR games seem to be thinking along the same lines of okay, maybe we need more map variety. But you're still going to run into a case where you're never going to have as many maps in your BR game as a Counter Strike or a Quake or anything like that. So, where you're looking for replayability has to be in the core systems, it has to be in the maps that you already have. You have to design those in such a way so that the replayability is just inherent and organic.
0: And seems to encourage a lot of emergent gameplay or experiences that, that just, like you were, <laughs> like you were saying, you were inside of a, a jeep or a, of some sort of vehicle, and just some crazy stuff happened. And and then I'm guess I'm guessing when you did another match, some a whole new, entirely different, crazy experience happened, even though you were probably on the same map. I mean, mm-hmm. is that kind of something you want to always make sure keeps happening? Where Sure, you may not have a lot of maps, maybe kind of doing the same one over and over again, but because of the way the maps are designed and the way the the gameplay is designed, it it always feels like it's a new experience every time you play.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you look at a game like Counter Strike or Rainbow Six, you'll like a lot of the skill there. A lot of what you learn is okay. This corner here, ninety percent chance someone's going to hold that for a tactical reason, right? And BR games have that. But it's a little different. You go, okay, well, the circle is at this location and there's a bridge. It's pretty likely someone is going to camp that bridge and try to mow people down as they're coming across it. But because the map is so large, your experiences on that could vary wildly. I've gone over tons of bridges and not had a single person in their side. I've gone over probably just as many bridges and there's a car blockade and I get mowed down. Um, so yeah, just the way the maps are designed, the way the confrontation is kind of dictated by the circle and things like that, um, you just have a naturally uh, kind of randomized situation.
0: So the next part I would bl- that probably happens next, after you've dropped into the map, you now had your your first encounter, the next thing is loot, which is I believe a very huge part and also in Fortnite. I mean they really they love their loot kind of thing so could you okay. maybe talk a little bit about the importance of des- uh, of loot and maybe the best ways to approach actually designing it and maybe like the what type of stuff is dropped and what shouldn't be dropped at i mean that can you just kind of go into that
1: yeah absolutely um kind of like before it depends a lot on the kind of game that you're looking to make um, pub g for example you can get armor you can get weapons, um, you can get backpacks, and backpacks are important because you can only carry so much stuff. And if you can't carry enough um, ammo or meds, you're kind of screwed, which also leads into you pick up ammo, you pick up medical supplies, and you pick up helmets. Um, In a game like PUBG, headshots are hugely important, and you have different armor to cover your head versus armor that covers your torso. So in PUBG, Uh, Not only do you have all of those kind of things you'd normally think about armor, meds, space, you also have uh, attachments for your weapons. Scopes, barrels, stocks, um, magazines, and grips. Uh, Where PUBG does a really good job is a lot of their attachments have a kind of defined place. Um, They're just like for barrels, for example, there are compensators which is going to help kind of with your recoil and your bullet spread, you know, kind of help you maintain a better spray down. You're going to have flash hiders, which are going to help you be a little stealthier and give you some of the benefits of a compensator, but not as much. And then you have suppressors, which aren't going to do any of what I just said, but it's going to help you be way quieter and way stealthier, depending on the weapon, depending on the situation, you're going to be really excited for one of those things um, where PUBG has really screwed up though, in my opinion, is actually in the grip category. Um it used to be they only had like two or three grips, and then in and all those grips had a pretty defined use in the game, right? You're like, okay, I use this for when I'm tap firing, I use this for full auto, and I use this kind of if I'm going in between. Felt great, and then at some point they felt the need to just add even more grips. And I remember when that update dropped, my friends and I were like, I'm gonna need a spreadsheet on my other monitor just to know what the hell I should pick up. And I think (laughs) that what you want for your loot is you want a player to enter a room and be able to evaluate everything that's in that room to be looted very, very quickly. Some of that's just gonna come with experience. Obviously, you know, having played PUBG so much, I can do that at a glance now. If I was a brand new player, though, and I went in there, I'd be like, okay, well, there's like four grips here, and there's these barrels, and I don't know which one I should be taking. It's a very real thing that you can overwhelm your player with too many options and and just too many decisions. And you get into a situation of kind of analysis paralysis, and that can lead to all sorts of problems. So I would say that be very careful. You want there to be a good variety to the loot that's available, but you don't want so much that your player just can't make heads or tails of a very quick, like, you know, walk into a room. Okay. Do I want this? Do I want that? Do I want this? Yeah. I think that's rough.
0: Yeah. Also considering you said that you can only hold so much, so you really have to <laughs> make a good decision and what you feel is good to, to grab and go. Oh yeah. Um, so the, also the other part too is, so you, you talked about variety, but how much, like, quantity, how much loot should a user be getting in a Battle Royale game? Should it just be raining, like, as soon as you blow someone up, kind of going to the more arcadey thing, where they're when they're blown up, you see, like, hundreds and hundreds of loot falling from the sky and just, like, bubbling <laughs> from everywhere? Or should it be very selective, and if you kill someone, you only get maybe one or two or three, or, you know, it's incredibly dependent on what that person had on them or, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, how far do you think you, sh- you should um, award when it comes to awarding the player when they kill someone?
1: I think that depends a lot on what stage of the game you're at and what kind of experience you're trying to build. Um, you know, early game, when you kill somebody in most of these games, you're, you're probably not going to get a whole lot, right? Um, they're probably not going to have a whole lot more than you do. If anything, uh, but once you get into like the mid and the late game, as you're downing people, you have to figure, okay, these are people that have looted and survived for you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes. You kind of expect that in most of those cases, those players have something that you're gonna want. It's not always the case, but that's sort of the expectation you go into the encounter having, right? Um, so I think it depends a little bit on what you're trying to set and like like what style of game you're trying to make. And then also how deep into the game are you at that point? Um, I think Fortnite does a pretty good job of limiting the amount of loot density that you have. Uh, You know, whenever I've downed somebody even late game, it's never felt supremely overwhelming. Uh, PUBG, I would say, has the possibility of erring almost too far in the side of too many choices. I think that's just a problem that's sort of inherent to PUBG. And honestly, even though I call it a problem, it's kind of just a core at the core of what the game is. You know, it's, it's a game about a lot of choices. And they sort of knew that going in, and they've leaned into that. And if that's what you want, then, you know, by all means, do that. Just make sure that you establish that and you execute it well.
0: So, after you've gotten the loot, uh, it, it feels like... Now you're kind of you've almost completed the loop, like you completed the core loop of drop down, you've killed someone, collected their loot, and now you have to just keep doing that and doing that until the match is over. Would you say that's kind of the core loop of the game, or are there more steps, um, to kind of complete the entire experience? You know, I think that that's
1: probably at the core, uh, of the core loop. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that some players view things a little differently. Uh, Like, if you're, uh, again, if you're looking at someone like, you know, Dr. Disrespect or Shroud, I mean, these guys have so many victories under their belt, they kind of don't care about winning. They're more (laughs) concerned with just killing people. Um, And you'll see games where, you know, you have 100 people in the game, and these dudes are walking away with, you know, 20 or 30 kills. I mean, that's huge. And for them, that's kind of the core loop. That's their excitement. They're not that concerned about the victory they're way more concerned about drop loot kill loot kill loot kill hmm i absolutely just... care
0: more about winning let's be very clear on that <laughs> i think most people do but when you get to that level like you were saying where it's just you've gone beyond that it's just about you know how, how many can i how many kills can i get at this point and just kind of create your own mental scoreboard or or some sort of thing or maybe it's gone to the next level where it's more dealing with um, uh, fame and that sort of thing where you just kind of want to make a name for yourself and then that's leaning more towards the esports and all that kind of stuff but oh yeah
1: well but, i mean you know a great example of that sorry to cut you off a great example no. of that is um a streamer named choco taco uh love the dude super mellow check him out if you're looking for just a chill pub g streamer um the way he actually was able to quit his job as a teacher and become a full-time streamer is he would stream PUBG. and and the way he got noticed is he had an incredibly good, uh, I think it was kill and win rating. And they have in-game leaderboards, which are, you know, they're they are not bad. They're not as good as they could be. But, you know, they're, they're visible enough. And what he would do is in his stream title, he would kind of put his leaderboard placement, you know, ranked <laughs> such and such in kills. And so people started tuning in. They're like, holy crap, this guy is actually really good. And, you know he had a good personality to go with that so i definitely think fame can play heavily into that depending on the kind of person you are and that's gonna vary like i don't care about my leaderboard placement but uh one of my squad mates you know I play with almost every time we'll get out of like a couple matches and we're like sitting there waiting for him to ready up and he's like all right well this is where i am on the leaderboard today i'm ranked here and such and such I'm like all right that's cool <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely going down that road, as we've seen since esports and just professional gaming has become such a huge thing that that's how many of them start. I mean, they'll start just playing the game, get really, really good at it, and then they'll get more people watching when they do the streams, and some of them potentially will join a team. And so, yeah, that can be really important, but I guess it also really matters what you want to get out of the game. I mean, like some people, like you were saying, it's all about the fame and the reputation and you know, being able to <laughs> make money doing it oh, while yeah. others just like just like winning. That's all they care about. That's like I just gotta win. That's yeah. that's it, man. And there's definitely that's a fun. lot of people like that. Of course. So speaking a bit to like, you know, to lean that direction of kind of the next step, a lot of the times I believe once you've kind of gone through the kills and you've kind of the next thing that starts to happen is player progression, where you're now It could be getting experience after your wins to get higher on the scoreboard. It could be to gain levels to unlock more vanity items or more weapons or that sort of thing. How important do you feel player progression in some sort of way is to uh, a Battle Royale game? Um, I think it's more important than most of these
1: companies are paying attention to, with the exception of Fortnite. Fortnite. Um, In my opinion, Fortnite was the first of the BR games to do it really, really well. Um, They have their kind of like seasonal setup, and the way it works is uh, when a new season starts, you earn experience after each game, and that experience goes towards earning new cosmetics. Pretty much everything here is going to be cosmetic-based, right? There's really no way for you to buy power in the way BRs are currently set up. Not to say that isn't something that could be introduced. I'd be very concerned about it, but that's a whole (laughs) other discussion. Um, But then you can also pay for like a premium version of that. So you still have to play the game, but you're earning more rewards. You're earning better rewards. Um, Whereas you look at PUBG for most of PUBG's time up until extremely recently, they had no tangible progression system outside of the leaderboards. And I... Obviously, PUBG is not hurting. Like, I don't think anyone in their right mind that looks at Steam charts could ever think, oh, PUBG's in trouble. Not the case. But they, you have to stop and think about how many players could they have retained that they lost? How many people could they get playing the game even longer if they would have jumped on a really good tangible progression system much earlier? And I would honestly argue the progression system they have right now, is good it's not great in my opinion i think they could have done a lot better uh but it's definitely when they introduced a season pass kind of like fortnite did it's actually a time i got super deep into PUBG. um you know i'll mm-hmm. go on sometimes eight or 12 hour PUBG games I, I don't i don't know how my wife puts up with this but she does <laughs> thankfully and uh you know i did that at the start and then it would fall off for a bit and then when they introduced a season pass i did it again And I started just trying my hardest to earn those rewards because like, oh, these are really cool looking. I want that. That gun looks awesome. And again, these are all purely cosmetic. Like there is nothing I'm earning that's going to make me kill people faster, kill people better, improve my odds. None of that exists. It's purely for
0: looks. So it's all paid. It's, it's not all paid. It's paid. It's none of, it, none of <laughs> it is paid to win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. None um, of it is paid to win.
1: There's no pay to win. It, you can. You <laughs> could look at it that if someone decides to buy a really bright red jacket, they're paying yeah. for you to win because that's going to stand uh, out. It turns out against the gray
0: mountain, but that,
1: that's a whole other, other concept. <laughs>
0: uh, but I, I, I like that you brought up that with all these progression systems, the end result is always a vanity item. It's always something that will make you visually look or seem more appealing um, within mm-hmm. within these games. And Fortnite has proven that this is an incredibly important aspect um, uh, in the game. And they've gone one step further with it by introducing um, like dances and another type of emotes and other, other yep. ways for you to express yourself within these games how um and that once again that goes back to playing on the emotions you're letting the player um feel excited feel kind of um you know a lot of joy and they're really playing on the, the the person's emotions really well and also just kind of um You know, making them feel like they're really important, especially when they get certain types of vanity items where it's like really rare armor or clothing or Halloween costume that no one else has. They can kind of really show it off. Um, uh, So when it comes to these Battle Royale games, of course, so you don't have pay to win. But do, do you feel like the vanity and the other type of special emotes are really important to the experience for the player?
1: I think that that partially comes down to the kind of player you are and, again, the sort of experience that you set out to make, right? I think for Fortnite, uh, looking cool is something that was in that game's DNA from the very start. It just was. Uh, I think that for PUBG, vanity isn't something that came until kind of late into the game's uh, life cycle, which was really surprising to me because it seemed ripe for it. For me, vanity is huge the amount of money i've spent in games like warframe just to look cool is absurd (laughs) and i've definitely spent some money in PUBG to look cool and uh, one of the reasons i hesitate to try to get into fortnite is because i mean that stuff just looks amazing and i know i know the minute i start liking fortnite i'm gonna spend money because i like looking cool you compare that (laughs) to another friend of mine uh, my friend matt he just doesn't care (laughs) Like he doesn't care about cosmetics. Like if there's an earnable one once in an extremely blue moon, he's like, "All right, yeah, I'll change my cosmetic." But for, I mean, we've played PUBG for about a year now, and I think in that time, he's changed his look like two times, whereas like mm-hmm. me, I'll change my look two times in a single play session, right? Like just to kind of give you an example.
0: Yeah, so vanity does seem like you said. It really, truly does depend on the uh, the player, but <laughs> Fortnite has proven <laughs> there's a large amount of players that love it. Oh, and yeah. What I feel is great, too, and I would love to shake the hand of all the marketing people as a weird thing to say at mm-hmm. Epic because they have not only made it so that the vanity is within the game they have managed to make the vanity stretch out like go beyond the game and seep into like just pop culture and yeah, it's a culture side world yeah it's it's like minecraft it's be, it's become a part of that now and yep it's has has PUBG. I mean gone that far with it i mean i know you said that they've just now introduced vanity but at least from a Marketing standpoint, or just how they're interacting with the community and the outside world, do they really focus a lot on that, or is it more focused on just the player, like in game experience? I, th- in
1: from what I've observed, PUBG has focused a lot on the in game experience. That said, there are a couple of things that are very, when you look at them, go, okay, that's PUBG. Typically, it's their level 3 helmet model and the, the frying pan. The frying pan is a melee weapon you can get in the game. It'll actually deflect bullets, uh, and it's it's very iconic to PUBG. But besides, like, the level 3 helmet and the, the frying pan, it doesn't have a strong aesthetic dominance like Fortnite does. I mean, the amount of stuff, like, when you look at something... Uh, that Fortnite from their marketing team does, you go, oh crap, that's flashy, it's crazy, and it kind of draws you in. PUBG, in my experience, doesn't do that nearly as much.
0: Mm. So, with going back to the player's progression, uh, seems, what type of ways do you feel like are best to do player progression inside of a Battle Royale game? You had mentioned, like with Fortnite, they get the experience and they get to unlock new vanity items. Um, could you maybe go a little bit deeper in how maybe PUBG does it, or do you have ideas yourself and how you feel like a battle royale game should best approach doing progression, player progression?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the way Fortnite does it, I kind of already explained where you have like the season pass and you do things in game or you just play the game, you're an experience towards that season pass and it levels up. It's just a leveling system with vanity rewards and things like that. PUBG uh, tried to do that, and it had a bunch of bugs and had a bunch of problems and it kind of went awry. The other thing, what started PUBG's, cause like their, I guess their cosmetics cause this kind of ties into the progression system is initially you would earn a soft currency called BP. You would then spend that soft currency to acquire a randomized grab bag, which we t- you know, we talked about grab bags before initially, those grab bags were, uh, they they all had items inside, and you didn't have to purchase a key. Then, at some points, uh, someone over there got the wind that lock boxes are really good, and mm-hmm. pretty much every bag they released was a lock box. So you would spend your BP, get a random crate. It's locked. You'd have to pay two dollars and fifty cents for a key, and that's all you would get. Um, left a pretty bad taste in a lot of players' mouths, though. A bunch of people it was pretty lucrative because you could sell those in the steam market. Um, After a while, PUBG decided to do the season pass. Like I said, didn't go as great. And now what they've done is they have a system where they borrowed a lot of the tech from that season pass and you have like an overall level. And every day you have daily tasks, kind of like you would in like hearthstone. And then you have weekly tasks. And every time like you complete those, you can earn experience towards another level. Um, All the levels do is every time you get a new level, you basically get a single item. Uh, It's randomized, so you never know what you're going to get. And what they did is every 10 levels, you get a permanent item, like you get a, a permanent cosmetic you can keep, right? However, in between those 10 levels, when you earn a cosmetic item, it has a chance to be permanent or temporary so like i think today i have a really cool jacket that is actually going to expire really soon if it hasn't already uh which is a huge bummer let me tell you i'm not a big (laughs) fan of temporary items like that though i do know that is pretty common in a lot of the asian markets for like rpgs and such
0: Mm, when you have the item that after a certain (laughs) increment of time they it just disappears yeah it just
1: disappears i think that they're on the right track with you level up and you earn randomized things uh what i would really like to see them do is take that system and say okay um at this level you get this specific permanent thing because what that's going to do is let's say at level 500 right you get a weapon skin and it's Hopefully you like the weapon skin. If you don't, I guess you're SOL, but, you know, it's Mm -hmm. a unique weapon skin. You can't get it anywhere else. I mean, that's huge. You know, you get to show off how dedicated you are to that game. Like, that's massive. I think that there's a huge missed opportunity for them to not do something like that because that's what they did with their season pass. And, I mean, I, I paid for it. I was super excited to go and get those permanent items. I saw a silver-plated uh, Mini-14 skin, and I was like, well, I have to have that, so I guess I'm going to go in.
0: <laughs> so do you feel there are other things that you could maybe offer to a player through player progression that would not affect the gameplay? And we've, we've talked about you know, the dances, the different type of uh, emotes you can do, the vanity items, different weapon skins. I mean, are there, uh, outside of touching the gameplay, are there other things you feel Battle Royale games could offer to their players to make the experience that much more appealing?
1: I think right now, in terms of vanity, all of those things you mentioned makes the most sense, which is why most people are doing them. You could go a step further and also add, like, spray paints. Fortnite might have actually done that, but I'm not sure. You know, like the old Half-Life spray paint where you can spray something on the wall. Mm. Um, but besides that, I think it's it's super, super dependent on the type of game that you're making. Um, If you're making a really colorful game, uh, you could have like a special, it's similar to like the uh, most, but maybe when you win the game, there's a particularly special effect that happens. Um, If you look at like Rainbow Six Siege, for example, if you have some of their premium skins, when you win the game and you're the MVP, there's actually a special animation and sound that will play, uh, at the end and everybody gets to see that and it's kind of a it's a really nice feel good and it's definitely encouraged me on more than one occasion to play a little harder because I had that skin and I really wanted to show it off to be honest.
0: So <laughs> I think that's probably a, a big part of all this too is that going kind of goes back to what we were saying about the fame and the reputation just being able to show off stuff and get the oohs and ahs from everyone on maybe on your team or just anyone else in the map Because then you have that social element that starts to begin. That you know, if you are doing getting lots of kills and you are looking really strange and weird or something, because you' wearing a bucket on your head and underwear. I don't know. I mean, then I mean, you could do like
1: icons. You could do titles. You know, yeah, it'd be really it'd be cool if you had a really sweet title. You know, you are you are Joe the Decimator. And so when you kill someone, it shows, like, you know, uh, a really cool icon for them to look at. And it's like, you were killed by Joe, the decimator. I mean, that's, that's a cool experience for you and maybe not as cool for the enemy, but eh
0: every time you do... Yeah, like, you, you can make it so you can record an audio clip. Of course, they'd have to screen that. Um, But, like, you do, like, record an audio clip and just make it so that every time you shoot someone, like, you can do, like, a or something. I don't know. Some some weird thing. Yeah, there's... Seems like there are lots of ways you can innovate. And I on, think that's um... honestly what has me so excited about BR is, like, we talked
1: a little bit earlier about, okay, well, why are BRs popular now? I mean, they, they're not exactly new. They've kind of been around. But I... I personally feel like BRs have so much more they can evolve into. I feel like we're getting a really good first look into a genre just exploding. And I think that BRs are going to still going to go a step further than they already have as companies and designers decide to innovate, experiment, and really go outside the comfort zone. Because right now, there's kind of that set formula that everyone is sort of comfortable with, right? I'm super stoked for uh, companies that are looking at that and they're going, okay, how can we step outside that comfort zone? And you're starting to see it. I think Battle Right is the first major step in that direction in a while. And, man, I'm even though I'm not sure if I'm going to really play a lot of Battleright, I'm excited about the implications it has for the industry and the genre.
0: Yeah, no, I really applaud their designers for essentially thinking outside the box and trying to move move things forward not to say other people are not but it's, right, it's just right, it's right. really cool that they're yeah they're taking what's really big right now and seeing what can we like they're trying to isolate what's making this so enjoyable for everyone and what can we do to make that experience experience that much more fun oh, and yeah. take what everyone loves and just take it one step further
1: and i think rome royale uh, had started to do that and i mean. I'm talking like Rome Royale has been shut down. It should be very clear. Rome Royale hasn't shut down, but it's a game that quickly lost my interest. And I think it's lost the interest of most of the dedicated player base it did have. But I think that Rome Royale also stepped into a bunch of really exciting new territory with a class system and forging and all kinds of things. Um, It just... Uh, It kills me that we have some of these games. And it's sort of like I was talking about earlier. Like, if you have an audience, do everything you can to hold them because there's literally thousands of apps, thousands of games at their fingertips. They don't need you. They can forget about you in two seconds. So if you have their attention, man, just do everything
0: you can to listen and hold it. So speaking to that, PUBG is a game you do have to pay for versus a game which is completely free like Fortnite. Now, obviously both of these games have a large large player base. So, the price tag doesn't seem like it's really affecting that much. But where when, when do you see is it's best to be able to actually charge? I mean, we're seeing everything go to free to play, free to play uh, these days. Why do you think PUBG has been able to hold on to its success for so long and still be able to charge Um, i think there's a couple of reasons for that the first reason being they were early-ish
1: to the market um they provided something that gamers wanted but they didn't know they necessarily wanted and people were willing to pay for that i mean that's the same reason that world of warcraft is still able to charge a monthly subscription but new mmos hitting the market can't um they provide something people want and I think that part of the other reason why PUBG remains incredibly successful is because, in my opinion, they don't have a true competitor. And what I mean by that is, you know, people make comparisons to Fortnite and PUBG all the freaking time. Like, oh, Fortnite's killing PUBG or vice versa. But if you look at the games, like I was saying earlier, they're both battle royale games, but they are so dramatically different. Um, you know the experiences you feel in one, you might not necessarily feel in the other. Um, and PUBG, every time I look at PUBG, it it feels like a thriller game. It feels almost like a zombie game. Um, I joke all the time that whenever we like gun somebody down, I'm like, oh, the zombies heard that and they're gonna come running because you know <laughs> anyone within a thousand meters of us, or I think that's their measurement, you know, heard that shot and they might come running. Um, the pacing the the atmosphere like everything about PUBG feels very unique compared to pretty much every other battle royale game on the market when you look at fortnite it's loud it's colorful it's quick it's explosive um every br game that seems to be hitting the market is going in a similar fashion they want to create quicker experiences they want them to be flashy experiences uh, whereas PUBG is like hey we're going to slow this down Um, It's going to be kind of methodical, it's going to be survival-y, it's going to be thrillery. So far, really, no other game is trying to compete there. The closest that I've experienced personally, that's quality, because there are... I would say Fear of the Wolves has tried in my evaluation of that game. It's super rough around the edges, and I don't know if it's going to be successful. Um, But the closest, I think, to a game treading on PUBG's toes is probably Call of Duty Blackout. Um, when I played it over that weekend, it was still much faster, much closer to arcadey than uh, PUBG is. Like You can slide around and do all that crazy stuff. Uh, but it was still slower, not as flashy, more tactical in different ways than like Fortnite is, for example. So I think PUBG's success is being quick to the market um, at a time where gamers needed something they didn't know they needed and just providing an experience that no other BR game has really grasped onto yet.
0: Not hot in here? No, you're all good. No, okay, sorry. Um, okay, so another big thing, another big evolution that I found with these, I mean, even outside of just the whole idea of Battle Royale games is that probably more so and please tell me if i'm wrong on this i'm seeing this more so with epic games that they have really brought the idea of live ops to the next level like they have just i mean the way that they come from a content standpoint constantly are updating and not just doing tiny little tweaks but doing huge like changes or introducing new ways to play or you know all these different types of you know, ways you can experience the game and all the new, like, different vanity and modes, like, they, they just... They, I have never seen any game company outside of Blizzard with, you know, World of Warcraft um, uh, push out as much content so quickly as they do. Um, do, do you feel like like even just from speaking outside of for a moment of just battle royales in general like just from like the future of games and how game development will be and i mean do you feel like that's kind of the future in at least possibly having a really successful game about constantly feeding your player new content and new ways to experience your game
1: i could not possibly agree more (laughs) i could not possibly agree more um you know, coming from a company and a product that updates every single week with new content, I can tell you that players have practically insatiable appetites. And you need to do your best to fill their mouths with juicy, gamey goodness. Um, yeah. Epic, Epic is doing that. They've been doing that. They learned from the industry and they grasped it very quick. And they said to themselves, hey, we need to have... A lot of updates. We need to do a lot of things. New experiences for people. Um, Seasons. The map changes actually pretty Mm -hmm. frequently. Which I think is amazing. Like last night Shroud was running around. And there was like a portion of the map. That was like all Echidna. You know lifted up. From Sonic the Hedgehog. And I'm like I don't know what's happening. But this is awesome to watch. Um, They've really made Fortnite feel. Like a game that is completely. Alive, you can really immerse yeah. yourself in there and go, Oh man, like I'm, I'm really in this world. Uh, whereas, like, PUBG has been painfully slow to get those updates in there. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, obviously, I don't know all the ins and outs. It's worth noting that Epic, uh, they make the, the Unreal Engine, so you would hope that they'd <laughs> be able to implement things into it pretty quickly. Uh, whereas, you know, PUBG obviously doesn't, but it's, I think, PUBG. Again, PUBG is not hurting. Like they're extremely successful. They continue to do great things, and they are getting better. But they've taken so long to adopt a true live ops mentality, and I mean they're still not there. But they're finally starting to move in that direction. And it just, as one of a uh, you know one of their bigger fans, like it just kills me with how slow their updates come out, man.
0: Yeah, that does. I mean, like you said, they were pretty much one of the first to kind of jump into this whole battle royale thing. So I think that's why they have, they basically have such a strong start. And while they're able to maintain this constant progression of success, but eventually you're going to have to need to not, I'm not saying like copy what Fortnite does, but just I mean, not, not so much Fortnite, but like what Epic is doing with Fortnite, but just get, start giving your players more. I mean, the, the gameplay seems, the experience seems to be solid, But clearly there's a lot more, it sounds like, from what you're saying. They could be doing to make their players more happy. If PUBG added
1: a new gun, a new map, a new something every, like, month uh, on a consistent basis, I would be super freaking delighted. Um, Again, they're getting better, but, you know, uh, they've traditionally gone multiple months without a meaningful content infusion. Uh, you know there'll be gun balances, tweaks, and in a game like PUBG, that can be very significant. But you know, I I like that fresh feeling. I like new things. I like to go in and see a gun I haven't played with before and go, okay, I'm gonna go ahead and play around with this. This is really exciting. They've done much better towards the end of this year, and I just really hope they continue to ramp that up because as it stands right now, Epic is again years ahead of them.
0: So do you think with all these new battle royale games coming out that if a uh, with every new one that comes out it's good to or would it be smart to have a price tag like what pub is doing or should if you're very new to this and probably not a game company like a you know an indie studio no one's ever heard of that maybe it might be better to do the free-to-play approach or do you think it's even possible at all for any game that's like that's multiplayer focus to have a price tag on it and to be very successful. You can absolutely have a price tag,
1: but I think, especially if you're an indie developer and you're listening to this, I, I think you're fighting an uphill battle. Um, big companies like uh, you know with Call of Duty, like Call of Duty, has a price tag on it, a fairly hefty price tag actually, and mm-hmm. I think they can get away with it for a couple of reasons. You know, one. They're a very recognized brand. I mean, Call of Duty's been around for years. Um, and two, they offer more than just that BR mode. You know, they have like the zombie mode, they have a normal like kind of other multiplayer modes, and they have other things that they've kind of teased in the works before. So when you buy Call of Duty, you're not, you're buying a suite of games, as it were, in game modes. Whereas with PUBG, you're just getting a BR game. Um, and, and this is just my opinion. I think that free to play has kind of been the gold standard for a lot of game genres. And in my mind, I think BRs fall right into that. I think Fortnite has proven that the model can be successful and that that success transcends platforms. It has incredible success on PC, on freaking mobile, on, (laughs) uh, I think, the Switch. Like, I mean, they just, it seems endless on where epic is willing to go with this i mean pretty soon you're gonna be playing on your pager right <laughs> and i mean that's they i don't think they could get away with that if their game was paid so because it's free to play i mean they can launch it on just about any platform and they're gonna just get a big following and you're gonna have people they're gonna pay for a lot of that stuff because you know, cosmetics are cool
0: so i think that's another important aspect that you just brought up that there are that they are multi-platform and i think even with any game, even outside of a Battle Royale game, that to be successful, especially as an uh, indie developer, that you need to be on everything. If you can be on a toaster, be on a toaster. If you can be in the refrigerators, that you know, little screen, whatever, be in it. I mean, it, it's at this point, it's best to just just be on as many, many, many platforms as you possibly can, because as you also said, there are so many other games competing for the attention. <laughs> Of oh, yeah. all the you know of gamers, so if you, I mean, if if, or if there's just gamers on iOS, then you got to be on iOS. If there's gamers just on the Switch, and you got to be on the Switch, so I mean, definitely I would encourage people um to be able to try and be on as many platforms as you can. And luckily, there's tooling out there that makes that a lot easier. Oh, Still, yeah. you need to, yeah, you need to have a license. But the fact is, things like Unity, Game Maker, um, uh, and I'm sure there's there's more that like um that will give you the ability to get on those platforms more easily
1: yeah and like gamers have an appetite to play multiple platforms um Mm -hmm. you know my game has a mobile community and a web community and they're very separate but you know there's people that will go across both um and actually very recently we announced that there's going to be a sequel to the game i work on and one of the first questions i got was is this going to be mobile only is it going to be web only where the mm. platforms you're bringing this to, um, like that's that's heavily on people's minds, and you have to think that, I mean, phone technology has advanced pretty dramatically in the last five years. I mean, my phone is a pretty powerful handheld computer. Uh, yeah. The kinds of games I can play on my phone now are absolutely absurd. So yeah, don't don't limit yourself by platform. It used to be you had to make a lot of sacrifices to make a mobile game. And I mean, the technology is just going to get better. So don't, don't limit yourself. But one thing I would say there is be, don't just spray and pray, like be cautious, do mm-hmm. things that you're comfortable with and you can provide a quality experience. If you make a game and you make that game with mobile only in mind, and it turns out it translates really terribly to a web experience, more likely to go the other way, but you know, I'm already deep down this example. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> Don't don't force it, you know, like, make sure whatever experience you're providing is the best it can possibly be first, um, and then try to, like, adapt platforms as necessary. Uh, it, obviously, ideally, when you're designing a game, try to think of multiple platforms first, because it's just going to
0: help you in the long run. Also, too, another thing you could do is that if you have a game that, as you were saying, was in the very beginning built for like control wise gameplay wise to be on mobile that's fine i mean don't do a sloppy port but if you want it to be on the desktop create another version of that game that suits that platform um don't please do do not try (laughs) and like you said like like uh, bernie was saying like just do a sloppy port over It, it will actually i think hurt you more than help you oh yeah. because then yeah it's it will not be a good thing but i've seen that with a few games I know I know it's not easy from a development standpoint like you're just uh, with me saying creating entirely new games yo, oh, you're crazy you know how much time enough <laughs> that's gonna take I, I understand that trust me I I do I've worked for a few game companies so I I do know um but just truly even if you can't do that uh, like Bernie said just truly think about where you feel the game will fit best and also keep in mind too that yes mobile is still very dominant but the, the gamer that's playing on their mobile phone, they're not always just gonna be on their mobile phone. They'll they'll be in front of a computer. So, you know, they're they'll probably be wanting to play that game on the desktop or they'll want to play it on their Switch or their Xbox or their PlayStation Four or you know there's or possibly the web. So you, you don't want to ever go into this just thinking that, okay, well mobile's the still the king. So they're only we should only release on mobile and nothing else. Mm-hmm. And that will definitely hurt you more than help you
1: and definitely like something you want to try to think about um, i see a lot of companies but especially designers that completely just don't even think about uh, the user interface and mm. even if it's not even if user interface is not your primary function and it's maybe not even something you're great at you should still do your best to try to be aware of it if you look at Diablo 3 which you know is available on console and it's available on desktop like if you look at that, some of the biggest differences between the console version versus the the PC version is really just in the interface. But they did it in such a, a fluent, seamless way that it's perfect. Like it play it's just as much fun to play in the desktop as it is on my, you know, PS4, which is huge. And a lot of games do not nail that.
0: Yeah definitely so we could of course probably talk <laughs> for many more hours oh, about yeah. about battle royale cuz it's a it's the the hot thing right now all the cool kids are playing it um and so i think to kind of just close this out um was there anything you wanted to especially if there're a bunch of designers listening or people who want to become game designers or just you know developers in general advice you could give them when it comes to approaching making a battle royal game or things they should be thinking about?
1: Yeah, I think that just know what you're trying to do. And what I mean by that is don't go into it and say, well, you know, I just want to make Fortnite. You know, go into it and think, okay, well, I like Fortnite, and then break down what are the things you like about Fortnite over PUBG or vice versa. You know, do you like the gunplay? Do you like the aesthetics? Like really dig deep down and ask yourself, what specifically is it you like, and how can you translate that into your game? The other thing I would say with a BR game is, you know, expect a lot of hurdles. Uh, The BR genre, even though it technically has been around for a really long time, is still evolving. And if you're an indie developer, you have to take into account that a lot of the companies that are making BR games are big companies and that's for a really good reason server costs are going to be huge depending on the amount of players you have you need to have really good servers for it to really feel good and seamless Um, you're going to run into a lot of challenges but don't let that discourage you i mean game design is an iterative and challenging process you're going to fall down and you just have to make sure you keep getting back up so no go into it kind of having a good idea about what you want to build and just ask yourself, why do I like this? Why don't I like that? Um, because once you start asking yourself questions like that, you're just going to come out with a better product in my opinion.
0: For sure, yeah. And definitely just take advantage of all of the early access and those type of things. Because this is a multiplayer type of game that is yes. going to require a lot of testing. Yeah, absolutely. And You could do, I mean, it
1: would be. I would be super freaking interested. Please, if you make one that is not real time multiplayer, like if it's somehow churn based or something just, you know, obscene like that that's asynchronous, man, I would love to see it because I think that would
0: be super cool. Yeah, if you could somehow make an endless runner battle royale game. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you're gonna do it. We got a busy weekend
1: ahead of us, Joe. Let's get to it.
0: <laughs> All right. Yeah, we got to make that happen because that's just mind blown. If that's <laughs> possible. Cool, cool. It's, I think that's a good one. Uh, a long one. <laughs> it's gonna be good though. Yeah. i right. I'm gonna I hit will. stop
1: recording if you're. Good yep. At
0: that. Yep. Please do.